So as we look at this, we're in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, and so when we look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, we uh, take a look at this and we begin to understand and recognize here it is that God in the context of the scripture is talking about the full armor of God as we've, we've talked about those individual pieces of the full armor of God, and as we've talked about those individual pieces of the full armor of God, we understand their physical purposes of it, their, their original intent of it of being the Roman soldier's uh, attire in battlefield. And we also understand the spiritual uh, purposes of that as well. So then we move on to, to uh, verse 18 in Romans. Cha- I'm, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 6. And it says right here, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petitions for all the saints. And so when we look at this, This isn't actually a part of the full armor of God. When we begin to look at this, it it seems as though there is a transition here. The Apostle Paul isn't talking about the full armor of God anymore. He transitions away from the armor, but still the theme is spiritual warfare. Amen? It is still spiritual warfare. It's still going into battle in the Spirit of God through the power of God. So we're still on that theme of spiritual warfare, even though there isn't a particular item that is mentioned here within uh, the armor of God. However, this can still be applied to the context of physical battle. Because here it is, you know, we, we focused on the armor, the attire of the Roman soldier, and really what we're looking at here, and keep this in mind, don't forget about this, this is the front line soldier, right? This is the front line soldier who is holding the front lines, who is not letting the enemy get through, who is not letting Letting the enemy come in as he's holding those front lines. But you also have people in other strategic positions that have other other purposes and other uh, other jobs and duties. And one of those jobs and one of those duties is to be a watchman. Amen? That They need the watchmen. They need the watchmen out there as they have this regiment of soldiers that are, that are out on this line of the battlefield. Well, what if somebody comes and tries to sneak up behind them? What, 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 they're going to let their guard down and let somebody sneak through the back door? Somebody tries to sneak in from the right or somebody tries to sneak in from the left? They're going to have those watchmen that are there that are looking, that are paying attention and says, hey guys, we've got a group coming in from behind or to the right or to the left. So in other words, those watchmen are there put in those strategic locations to where they're not going to let anybody sneak through the back door. Amen? And so as that, that, that happens while they're in the midst of the battle, Satan has all kinds of schemes. Satan has all kinds of trickeries and ways of deception. We need those watchmen. Amen? And we need those watchmen desperately in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and so as we look right here that this text of scripture says with all prayer and petition so how are we the watchmen of God or the watchwomen of God how are we those individuals we are doing it through prayer and petition with all prayer and petition the Bible says right here and so when we begin to think about that though this is not directly related 
to the full armor of God, it is directly related to spiritual warfare. And something that is extraordinarily important is the watchman. And the way that we do that spiritually is through prayer and petition. Amen. And so as we think about the prayer and the petition, you know, I want us to look back at this past week of revival. And as we look back at this past week of revival, I want you to understand something. We didn't have a phenomenal week of revival because we had the Allens here this week. Amen. Now they're a great group of people. I love them. I think the world of them. We didn't have a phenomenal week of revival this week because we had great music going on. We did have great music going on. Matter of fact, they had uh, they, they had a show in Branson for a while that they would put on their own show in Branson. They, only had, they had their own place where people would come and pay money to come hear them sing. They did a phenomenal job and we knew before they got here that we we're going to have some good music this week. Amen. We didn't have an awesome week of revival this week because we had good preaching going on. We did have good preaching that was going on. And I knew what kind of preacher Brother Todd was before he got here. Heard him preach many times. And so I knew we were going to have good preaching. And we did have good preaching. But you know why we had a phenomenal week of revival? It's because we had the people of God down at the altar of God who were praying and lifting up their voice. And they were were praying and they were petitioning a holy God and I pray that you were doing that. I know many of you were even before you got here and even when you got home in the evening time and praying and lifting up those prayers and lifting up those petitions to God. Friends, I want you to understand when a church prays, that's a powerful church. Amen. When a church prays, when an individual prays, that is a powerful individual. Not only are that a powerful individual, they have tapped into the power of God that have made them a powerful individual. When a father prays, he's a powerful father. When a mother prays, she's a, su- a successful and powerful mother. When a family prays, that is a powerful family. When a church prays, that is a powerful church. A church that is going to have great influence and great impact upon their community. And friends, what we need in the United States of America today, we need praying Christians and we need praying churches. Every great man of God and every great woman of God throughout the course of history. Friends have been prayer warriors. Every single one of them have been prayer warriors and we cannot underestimate the the, the, the power there is in praying. Our prayer life is directly tapping in to the throne of God itself. Amen? By the way, all these names are still up here. Brother Brother Keith mentioned those names. They're in the crosses. So I still encourage you, friends, come. Those names are in the crosses. Take them out. Pray over them. Add to it. Amen. And as we continue to do that, we're going to continue to pray over those individuals and lift up those individuals that are lost. We're going to pray and petition God. So again, verse 18, with all prayer and petition. So it's interesting. It says prayer and petition. So it says, prayer and petition. What is prayer? Prayer is our general prayers. God bless the service today. God bless my family today. God 
bless the preaching today. God, you know, uh, uh, this is general prayers, right? So we're, we're, we're lifting up these general prayers, and that's good. We ought to be doing that, right? God, give us this day our daily bread. And so the, the, those general prayers that we're lifting up to God, and every day we ought to be praying those general prayers. God, protect our families. God, protect our church. God, you know, uh, 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 anoint the service to the, to the services today, and so we continue to lift up those general prayers to God, but then we have petitions. And so as we have those petitions, as we got down on the altar each night of revival, and actually Sunday morning as well, then we petition God. God, here is the name of a lost individual, and I'm calling out his or her name before you directly, and God, would you save their soul? It is a direct petition to God that is very specific and very direct for the purpose of doing that singular focus thing in which you are calling out to God that you have petitioned God on behalf of this individual. God, that person is sick. Would you heal them? They have this specific type of disease or ailment. God, would you heal their body? God, would you would, would you save this person? God, would you restore this backslider and get them back in right relationship with you? God, it seems as though my children are drifting away and you call them out by name and you call them before a holy God, you are petitioning God with that singularly focused prayer. That is what a petition is. And so we pray, we pray in general and we need to pray and we need to pray in general. Sometimes we don't even need to know what we're praying for but the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Amen. And so as we're praying and we're seeking God, we're praying in general but then we need to have those tuned in prayers, those singularly focused prayers with prayer and petition. So when we look at that and we begin to recognize that's what the Bible is talking about here again in verse 18 with all prayer and petition pray at all times in the Spirit. Pray at all times the Bible says. Pray at all times. Apostle Paul tells us and that's long as he said pray without ceasing. Amen? Pray without ceasing. You can be driving down the road in your car praying. It's a good idea not to have your eyes closed when you're doing it. Amen. But you can be driving down the road in your car praying. You can be sitting in this congregation, sitting here right now praying. You could be at work, sitting in your office chair, whatever it is, wherever you're working at, and you could be praying and you could be seeking the face of God right there in the midst of whatever it is that you're doing. Now, it's important that we have a prayer closet and we get in that prayer closet and as we get into that prayer closet, we have that honed in time. Amen. We have that quiet time. We have that time where there's not going to be any distractions but at all times the Bible says to pray. To pray without ceasing. The Apostle Paul told the church of Colossae in in, uh, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2 he says devote yourselves to prayer keeping alert in it with the attitude of thanksgiving. So devote yourselves to prayer. Friends I want you to understand we as the children of God we need to be devoted to prayer. As a matter of fact, when you look at the words of Jesus Himself and recognize the words of Jesus, Jesus said that my Father's house will be called a house of prayer. Amen? And that's what the church of the Lord Jesus Christ needs to be seen as, needs to be known as, but not just seen and known as, but that's what we need to be devoted to. We need to be devoted to prayer. And as we're devoted to prayer, that is who we are. Amen? 
Amen. It's not just something that we do every once in a while. That's just not an act that we go through. It's not a motion that we have when we're opening in prayer and we're closing in prayer and we're praying for the offering and we have all of these prayers at the times that we're supposed to be having prayer. But no, we are continually praying. Amen. We are devoted to prayer. We are praying at all times through all things in all situations and in all circumstances. We are a house of prayer. Nowhere in the Bible does it call the church a church of preaching. That my father's house to be called a house of preaching. Nowhere does it say it's to be a house of praise. Nowhere does it say it's to be a house of missions. Nowhere does it say it's to be a house of evangelism. Nowhere does it say it's to be a house of ministry. But friends, we are to preach, we're to praise, we're to evangelize, we're to do missions, we're to do ministry, we're to do all of those things. But friends, they are anointed and empowered by the prayers of His people. Amen? When we pray and we seek the face of God and at all times we're praying. Not just when we're supposed to. That's the point in times we've always done it in. And let's face it. Let's just be real here for just a minute. Amen? Because you know I'm right. Brother Keith, would you open us up in a word of prayer? Sure, I'll open us up in a word of prayer. Brother Keith prays. But are we praying with him? Are we listening? Are we distracted? We're thinking about what we're going to have for lunch. Well, that's the closing prayer. Amen? Think about where we're going after this. Now, you know I'm telling the truth. Amen? But we need to join in prayer together with Him. Maybe not audibly, but be joining in prayer with Him and lifting up our voice with Him. And if God tells you to speak audibly, speak audibly. Amen. And so as we join in prayer with Him at all times, the Bible says, devoting yourselves to prayer, the Bible says, pray without ceasing is what the Word of God says. And so as we look at this again, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, with all prayer and petitions, pray at all times in the Spirit. In the Spirit. You know, we, we, we get kind of nervous when we talk about the Spirit, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we kind of get nervous, we kind of get antsy. You know, we, we don't want to look like what we perceive as those weird people over there, right? Doing all that weird stuff, doing all that crazy stuff, hanging from the chandeliers and running up and down pews and jumping pews and doing cartwheels in the aisle and all that kind of stuff. And so we don't want to be perceived as that. But friend, the Bible tells us to be full of the Spirit. Amen? So, well, brother, I say, I don't know if I want to be full of the Spirit because if I get full of the Spirit, that means that I'm going to start doing things that I don't want to do. Exactly. You know why? Because you need to get the flesh out and you need to get the Spirit in. Amen? Now something that we need to understand is we recognize this the moment that you get saved, the very second that you get saved, the very first thing that happens to you is the Holy Spirit of God comes to live within you and reside within you according to Romans chapter 8. If you have the Son, you have the Spirit. If you don't have the Son, you don't have the Spirit. The very testimony that you are saved is that you're sealed in the Spirit until the 
day of redemption. So being filled with the Spirit is not receiving the Holy Spirit. That happens when you get saved. But when you allow the world and you allow fleshliness to come into your life to influence your way of thinking and to influence your way of doing and to influence the way you're living, then you are living in accordance to the flesh. But you get that flesh out and you allow the Spirit to just fill you and consume you. And you're living in accordance to the Spirit. You're living in the way of the Spirit. You're living the way that the Holy Spirit would have you to live. And friends, we're not going to be fully empowered by God until we're completely full of God. Amen? You're full of the world, then you're going to look like and act like the world. You're full of the flesh, then you're going to look like and act like the flesh. But when we're full of the Spirit of God, we're going to live like and we're going to act like God Himself. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 tells us this, do not get drunk on wine. Now, we Baptists, we stop right there. Amen. Don't get drunk on wine. Don't you do it. Don't you get drunk on wine. That is dissipation. And so we do not get drunk on wine. And we stop right there. Well, that's absolutely true. We're not. The Bible says a lot about it. don't get drunk on wine. Don't have anything to do with that strong drink. Amen. Bible talks a lot about that, but that's not the fullness of the verse right there. Do not get drunk on wine, for that is uh, dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now what happens if you're drunk on wine? The wine is in control of you. Amen. That wine has possessed you. That wine has influenced you. That wine is controlling your thoughts and your deeds and your actions. Any of you ever looked at a drunk person, you think they look like the most foolish person on the face of this earth, and even Sometimes the drunk person the next day will be saying, I can't believe I did that. Amen? I can't believe I acted like that. Because it was the wine, the strong drink, whatever it was that was controlling them because they were drunk on it. They were consumed on it. But instead, the Bible says, be full of the Spirit. Allow Him to consume you. Amen? Allow Him to influence you. Allow Him to move you. Or you say, I can't believe I acted like that, but it's in a good way. Amen? It's in a good way that the Holy Spirit of God has gotten a hold of you so, and that's how we're to pray. That's how we're to pray in the Spirit. Be consumed by the Spirit, being full of the Spirit of a holy God. And so as we pray in the Spirit, being consumed by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, we don't even know what to pray for or how to pray. But when the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, friends, He begins to work in us and through us, and we begin to pray as He would have us to pray. So it goes on and says in verse 18 again, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view. With what in view of you praying, of you petitioning, you praying at all times, and you praying in the Spirit. With all of that in view, of that being your heart, of that being your mind, of that being your mindset and your actions, with all of that in view, the Bible goes on and continues to say, be on the alert. 
See, there's where the watchman comes in. Be on the alert. I've had I've seen it happen many a time. I've preached a lot of revivals over the years. I have been in a lot of revivals over the years. And I've seen it happen a lot of times. Well, church, I have revival. Everything's moving. God is moving. God is blessing. God is doing a phenomenal work. God is moving like wildfire. People are getting saved. Hearts are being rekindled afresh and anew. The people of God are getting right with God. The wayward are back on the right path. And those who are, those who are faithful are being stirred up in ways that they've never been stirred up before. And then all of a sudden, here comes the enemy and he puts his footprint right in the midst of all of that is going on that is good and godly and wonderful in the midst of that revival and guess what takes place? He scatters the flock. In fact, there was a church up in Meridian, Mississippi. God was moving in that church. Folks were getting saved. God was moving in such a phenomenal way. Church was blowing and growing. They outgrew their sanctuary. They went to about three or four services. And finally, after having three or four services, people getting saved just about every single Sunday. That church was growing. That baptism was that baptismal pool was just continuing to be stirred. Amen. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and they decided to build a new building. It was right in the middle of the building project, and everything just blew up right in their face. That partially built building still sits there today. Right next door to that almost empty sanctuary that they never moved out of. Satan put his foot right in the middle of it. Friends, he'll do it every time. Friends, if there's ever time to be watchful, now is the time to be watchful. Amen. Once a person gets saved and set on fire for Jesus, that's the time to be watchful because the moment they give their heart and their life to Jesus, Satan's coming after them full force. Not sometimes, but every time. He's not messing with that guy on that bar stool. Why? Because he's right where he wants them to be. Why bother him? <laughs> Amen? Second, the individual or church starts to get lit up for Jesus, you better watch out. Here he comes. I'm not telling you this to scare you. I'm telling this to, this to you to warn you because greater is He who's in you than he who's in the world. So when we're on the alert, it's interesting that Jesus told the church of Sardis in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 2, I, I, I preach out of the uh, New American Standard uh, translation, the NASB, and so as I preach out of that, I, I study in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 2, and it says, wake up! Wake up! But those who have a King James, they'll re see me say, well, wake up. And they say, well, his translation's wrong. It says, wake up. My translation, King James, says, be watchful. Why are they different? Why, why is there a difference between the two? Because when you look at the original word in the original language, what it literally means is wake up and pay attention. Wake up and be watchful. Wake up out of your spiritual slumber and pay attention to what's going on around you. Wake up and be watchful. 
Friends, we need to wake up and be watchful to the things that are going on around us. We need to pay attention to uh, we need to pay attention to spiritual things. We need to pay attention to spiritual things. Oh, we're real good at paying attention to physical things. There's riots going on out on the streets again. People are beating each other up, burning up their own cities. People are. Are, are, are beating each other to death. There's riots going on there. See, well, why? It's a spiritual matter, friends. It's rooted in a spiritual force. Therefore, we need to wake up. Our government is the most immoral and radically wicked government that we have ever had in the history of the United States. And so we can rant and rave and fuss and gripe and say, oh, we've got this immoral government that's okay with five-year-olds becoming transsexual. And we can, we, we can fuss and gripe and rant and rave about that. But what is the root of that? It is spiritual. We can have all the elections in the world, but until we deal with the spiritual things that are going on, elections probably won't change and the results probably won't change. We get to the heart of the matter. See, that's praying, that's praying in general. God, we need revival within our nation. God, we need a great awakening within our nation. God, would you just move from coast to coast, from Canada to down all the way to the Gulf of Mexico and everywhere in between. Would you just pour out a spirit of revival as we pay attention and we're praying in general. But as we're praying with petition, Lord God, I recognize that Sister Sue, she's not here anymore. Got to where she was here by every other Sunday. Then they got to where she was here about every third Sunday, and then about once a month, and then now once every other month. But Lord, I hadn't seen her in a long time. God, I don't know what's going on in her life, but God, would you just get a hold of her and restore her, get her back to where she needs to be? Oh God, Brother Joe, he's coming to church. He's here. But he's here, but he's not here. His mind is everywhere. His brain is scattered. As soon as that final amen is spoken, he starts out that door and just about rips the hinges off. He comes in late. Used to not be like that, amen. Now for those of you who come in late, I'm not picking on you. <laughs> amen. But that's not his character. That's not who he is. God, I don't know what it is, but something's going on in his life. No, brother Fred over there, boy, I talked to him the other day and he liked to bit my head off. What's going on? Got something going on. He, he, he used to be the most peaceable person in the face of this earth, but now all of a sudden he just about bit my head off. Not being judgmental, but we're looking at spiritual things and we could get mad and Bite his head off. Amen? We get upset. We get in the flesh and we can rant and rave and snort and holler. Amen? But why don't we with prayer and petition in all things pray at all times in the Spirit? God, I don't know what's going on in their lives, but you do. 
from looking at this with spiritual eyes. Well, if we look at it with fleshly eyes, we'll sure get ourselves in trouble in a hurry. Amen? Not sometimes, but every time we'll get ourselves in trouble in a hurry. But with those spiritual eyes, God, I don't know what's going on in their life. God, give me the grace to love on them as much as I can, to be there for them as much as I can. But God, only you can move in their lives to put them where they need to be. God, would you just stir them up? Amen. Stir them up with our kids on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. Well, some of them are hard to deal with. Hard to deal with. Amen. Some of them you just want to wring their little necks. So God, I believe you're a God that heals, so can I just beat the snot out of them so you can heal them and get all the glory. Amen? But we don't do that. We don't know what's going on behind their closed doors, do we? We don't know what their home life is like, and we need to pray for them. Amen? We need to pray for them. So when we need to be on the alert with spiritual eyes, we need to wake up and we need to pay attention. And so as we wake up and we pay attention, the Bible goes on to say with perseverance. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. With this in view, be on the alert with perseverance and petition. Perseverance. That continues in that part of continually and non-stop. But even when I don't feel like it. Amen? Even when I don't want to. Even when I want to get back on Brother Fred and snap his head off too. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pray and persevere. Amen? I'm going to persevere. In fact, Bible uses that word persevere. Same word, just translated differently in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. All these were continually, continually devoting themselves with one mind to prayer along with the women, mother, uh, Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. Once again in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 it says, and they were continually now that word is, again, continually persevering. They were persevering. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The prayer. Continually persevering, devoting themselves at all times. Isn't it amazing how many times we see that throughout the Word of God? What does it mean to persevere? I don't know who came up with this. I can't give them credit. I didn't come up with it, so I can't take credit. But it means to push through. Amen, that acrostic of push. Pray until something happens. Amen. Pray until something happens. For all the things. Now, if you were in Sunday school this morning, you'd have known who the saints are. Amen. The saints are every Christian. 
Every Christian, every child of God, everyone who is bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, born again. So you could easily say, pray for every Christian. Oh, I know my brother here, he's dealing with these health issues, these health problems. Oh, God, would you just be with me? God, my brother here just lost very close family member. God, would you just be with us? God, this, this family over here, their, their children, just giving them fits. God, just be with them. Then you can narrow it down. God, their, their son, Johnny, Susie, whatever their name is, Their, their husband, their wife, whatever their name is, they're lost and they're dying and they're going to hell. Would you save their soul before it's everlasting too late? I'm going to close in this as the praise team makes their way up there to the stage. Three years ago this week, I preached a crusade in Poplarville at the Poplarville Coliseum. Over 50 churches participated in that. We had that place full. That first night, I preached the gospel. I preached like I always preach. I just laid it right down there on the line. And I mean, that place was full. It had both sides of the bleachers full. It had People down in the middle, it was, I don't know how many was there, but it was a lot. Gave the invitation, and boy, I was expecting kind of like a Billy Graham invitation. I was just expecting the floodgates to open up. Hardly anybody moved. Broke my heart. I gathered with the pastors after it was over with, and I said, Brother pastors, this is what we need to pray. This is what God placed on my heart. Lost people was here tonight that heard the gospel, but they didn't respond. So would you pray this very specific prayer? God, would you allow them not to have one wink of sleep tonight? God, that they would not have any rest, not even be able to sleep till they come back tomorrow and they give their life to you. Next night, we have fewer people there. Gave the invitation and we had folks coming forward and we had one man that just about ran from the bleachers all the way down. He went to Brother Billy Kent Smith. Pastor at Bethel Baptist Church. And you know what the first words he said to him? Brother Billy, I couldn't sleep at all last night because God was dealing with my heart. Amen? Is there a God in heaven? Yes, there is. Does he hear the cry of his people? Yes, he does. So the ball's in our court, isn't it? We need to get busy, don't we?
altars open. You could come. One last thing, if you're one here this morning, I haven't preached the gospel message this morning, but you're here this morning, you're lost and you're dying and you're going to hell and you know. Maybe you haven't been able to get any rest. Would you come this morning and give your life to Jesus? Would you come? Everybody stand as the praise team leads. Would you pray and seek the face of God?